Happy Halloween. Leave now while you still can. Leave now before Master finds you. story today so today's gonna be uh i'm gonna call it yelling the yellow wallpaper just because um if you already know from the title what i'm about to talk about it requires so much yelling and it requires all the voice just conjuring that can come from it so uh the yellow wallpaper i'm just gonna go ahead and jump right in there is a lot to cover i have a lot of notes on this and it is something that is very it's very close to my heart and very dear. So um, first, the background of this short story. It is a very old short story, but it is very, very good. It is by Charlotte Perkins Stenson. Um, Stenson was her, like, uh, I want to say pseudonym. I don't know for sure, so don't quote me on that. But her last name is actually Gilman when you look it up and everything. So when the story was published, she went by Stetson instead of Gilman. And, like, topics of interest within this are going to be, like, madness, social Darwinism, terror, psychiatric patient, not physiatric, what the fudge. Anyway, psychiatric patients and then just in general like feminists how feminists are seen and basically if you could come up with madness disability and feminine just identity this is literally a story um i do have some sources i'm going to be quoting from um from this i'm going to tell you about like each one of them i'm going to talk about them for a little bit so um the first one it's called escaping the sentence diagnosis and discourse in the yellow wallpaper and this is by paula a trifler trichler T-R-E-I-C-H-L-E-R, there you go, I don't know how to say it, I'm from the South, it's not working. So um, this is exactly what it sounds like, it's a very cut and dry writing, but it's really, really good. So it's basically diagnosing the yellow wallpaper, so um, Charkler, Trichler, Brunkar, Paula, Paula talks about what is going on in the yellow wallpaper, um, she lays it out very plainly and simply, she tells you this is who it is about, this is what she's going through, X, Y, Z, here you go, and that's exactly what this is. This is very, very, very important for what I researched and what I did because it outlined everything I thought I knew and then added more to it. Then I have another um, uh, essay by Sandra L. Gilman. It's called Madness as Disability, and here um, I'm going to discuss madness itself, and I'm going to discuss, discuss disability literature, and within both of these, you need to understand what madness is, what disability is, how it's seen, and Gilman gives a really good basis for understanding what is going on. Then finally, we have Elizabeth J. Donaldson, who writes The Corpus of a Mad Woman Toward a Feminist Disability Studies Theory of Embodiment and Mental Illness. Yes, typing that was just as hard as reading that. So with that, um, Donaldson doesn't actually talk about the yellow wallpaper at all within it. She talks about two other stories. She talks about Jane Eyre and then The Mad Woman in the Attic. And these aren't the yellow wallpaper, of course, and neither of these are by Stetson, obviously. However, I felt like it was really important because these are two very strong feministic identity disability literature pieces we have in history and like in literature writing and the yellow wallpaper I feel is just as important as these so yeah Donaldson doesn't actually ever mention the yellow wallpaper in it but she talks about the corpus of the mad woman and that goes directly with the yellow wallpaper so using this 
article, this essay as a background for my um, analysis of the yellow wallpaper. It seems very like one plus one equals two. That's basically what it is. And that's why I felt it was important. So yeah, doesn't mention the yellow wallpaper. She actually talks about two different stories, but they're very good. You should go read those too. You should read the yellow wallpaper anyway. So the yellow wallpaper, before I dive in talking about the story itself, I want to talk about why I personally love this story. So I I'm a psychology major at school and I like love, 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 like just madness in general. And the story really does cover madness. And like you watch this woman go in her descent into madness and it's very strong. It's very prolific. And like, it's very becoming. It's a very important writing. I started studying it my freshman year at college, my first semester. And since then, every semester, I don't know why, but every semester we've gone over the yellow wallpaper. It's really, it's like ironic every time we go over it because I'm like I literally just analyze this so I'm gonna try and give you as much background and detail as I can I have an extensive and like book on it myself my own brain is like a big old book of the yellow wallpaper so I'm gonna talk about it like as much as I can give you as much details however you should really 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 go read this story it is Honestly, it's like 20 pages long. It's not a quick read and you can find a PDF on Google. Honestly, if you type in the yellow wallpaper PDF, the first one that should come up is actually like, it looks yellowed out and it has the original art and it has uh, Stetson's pen name Gilman on it and it's beautiful. It's wonderful writing and you can really see her becoming mad through her writing and just read it, just go read it. I can't tell you any more about it, just go read it. Actually, I'm gonna tell you everything else about it. <laughs> so. The story itself, um, all right, so I'm gonna start very simple. I did write some notes on this, but once again, go read it. I can't tell you that enough. So a woman has a baby and after her baby, she goes through postpartum depression and her husband takes her away to like this house um, that's like in a forest. And like, I kind of imagined it as the house from the movie Winchester, just because it's like big. It's not the Winchester house, obviously, but it's like big. There's a greenhouse on the side, and like that's how I imagine it. Um, so she's writing the story from her own perspective, but she does talk to the audience. She's kind of like breaking the fourth wall, and I'm gonna be saying she, and then I'm gonna say our narrator. She's very nameless throughout the story, and that's kind of significant in my opinion. But yeah, she is very self-aware that she's writing to an audience. She does say that she's writing to this dead paper because the only language you can trust is a dead language, which is like really significant. Like the only people who she can trust with her like secrets and everything are the people who are dead. And it's paper and she's like telling the story. It's really cool. Um, anyway, so the way we're getting story is from her secretly writing in the journal. She's not allowed to write. Um, she has to hide her pen and paper on her bed and everything. I'm going to tell you why later, but that's that. And as the story goes, we understand that she has just recently had a child and John thinks she should stay in bed. John is her husband. And, um, it is worth mentioning that the male characters through the book are her husband and her brother or brother-in-law. Either way, the brother or brother-in-law is a physician and, uh, he's the one taking care of her and helping her with her diagnosis and her illness and everything. But she is stuck in this room. It's a nursery room to go insane by herself. And through the story, we see her slowly losing her mind as she is stuck within this secret world. She does say that she isn't going to tell a living soul. And like I said, she's going to write it on dead paper only because she can confide in the ones that are dead because I won't tell her secrets. And it's like, 
you put this mad woman who's going, well, she's not mad yet at the beginning of the story. She's not mad. She's just going through postpartum depression, which is really common. And I'm going to give her diagnosis in a little bit. But, like, just before I even begin to, like, analyze this story, I, I feel like I should talk about what I have problems with. Because it's, it's really funny when you read it. First off, you put a woman who's going through postpartum depression in a nursery, a yellow nursery i.e. the yellow wallpaper wow can you be any more like misogynistic like this woman is locked in an attic going mad in a nursery room after postpartum depression like if i could spell out everything wrong with it i would still miss some things because there's so much going wrong with that but yeah and then like the men are the ones taking care of her and like don't get me wrong i don't hate men i really don't hate men but in this time frame social darwinism is a thing i'm gonna talk about that in a minute um i'm gonna talk about everything in a minute but like problems right now so yeah you have the these men taking care of her and like john thinks this and john thinks that and like john talks to her as if she's a child because she's a woman and that's a problem that is a strong problem Anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I just, she, a woman going through postpartum depression is put in a nursery. That just spells disaster. <laughs> so the symbols for um, this story. So first off, the room, the room she is in, she is in a nursery room. I can't say this again. It incites her madness. Like this is what sends her into madness itself. The wallpaper, which is the namesake name for the story. I can't talk. But it surrounds her. It is what's around her. That is what she sees. Um, so, she, like, yellow has a few meanings. So positive meanings are freshness, happiness, positivity, clarity, energy, optimism, enlightenment, remembrance, intellect, honor, loyalty, and joy. These are the positives. Let's go through the negatives, shall we? Which are why they're important. So, like, gray, dingy, old yellow represents cowardice, deceit, caution, sickness, and jealousy. Can I like is it any clearer honestly just from the color of the wallpaper you already know that this story is not going to be a thing um she has eyes always staring at her so it's staring and within disability studies people stare at those who are different and this is really like a prolific thing because we stare like staring is what we do the only people who don't stare are the people who can't and that's a very bad joke my bad but still staring is something we all do we all stare at other people we all stare at their differences we all just look and view and like in this room this nursery room there's a wall and on the wall it's just like glass and like you can she's staring out the window and everything and she's someone staring back at her her wallpaper is staring at her there's a woman trapped behind the wallpaper hint it's her anyway and like eyes are super significant because she's being watched she's being watched by herself she's being watched by her sanity she's being watched by the people who we're watching her as we read this and this it honestly eyes staring just looking it's very significant if she had a color of her eyes i'm pretty sure they'd be yellow because that's what's going on and she does become sick and everything so we're watching her descend into madness as we read it and once again there's pictures in the um the story at least the pdf i looked at her there's like drawn in pictures and they're like really beautiful and they're really pretty and definitely worth go taking a look at read the story read the story i'm not gonna say this again i'm probably gonna say it like a hundred times just read the story it's great i love it nothing better and then um another symbol i feel is worth 
mentioning is the woman herself in the wallpaper. Um, this woman is her. When the woman escapes um, from the wallpaper, she like claws her way through. This is her escaping the bonds that have sealed her. This is her escape escaping the patriarchal just men around her because she's out. She's not there anymore. She's gone into madness, so she can no longer be controlled by these men. Um, and I like... As soon as the woman in the wallpaper leaves the wallpaper, that woman's her. And it's 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 so strong and it feels so much. Uh, you just, you gotta read it. <laughs> I can't. Um, there's a lot that goes on in this story and I'm not doing it justice by just explaining every bit of it to you. Like, it's, it's wonderful. So, as I've said before, social... Darwinism. I'm going to go ahead and talk about that real quick. So social Darwinism within this time frame that the story takes place, it's very insulting towards women. And women can also be seen as unable bodies or disabled bodies or disabled men bodies throughout history. And social Darwinism, <laughs> women are broken, basically, if we're to like make it really clear and simple. Um, Darwin created this idea that like the un uh, only the survival of the fittest and that kind of thing in evolution and like while he does make some like strong claims um, when it comes to social Darwinism that's exactly what kills this woman in here because of that the men take care of her because of social Darwinism she has been secluded and thrown away and like just put in places that she's not allowed to be seen and the men will take care of her and like John thinks this and John says that and that's what she tells us, like, John says this, John thinks that, and it's just, social Darwinism, it's a problem, um, it would see women as unfit, um, they were made to be birth givers, and if they could not give birth to people, and, like, to people, wow, what else did they give birth to, cats, anyway, <laughs> um, if they couldn't take care of the child and everything and that kind of thing, then they were immediately gone, like, I remember, reading and studying social Darwinism and when I studied it they were like women would have hysterectomies because that's where their madness would come from and like that's a problem let's not do that thanks I, <laughs> I can't explain how bad social Darwinism is and I can't begin to explain just how like wrong it is and you can really see it through this story and there's so much more of course that like you can cover based on the story but I really want to look at um things other than that but like it's very very worth noting like social Darwinism is a very strong theme that we do read in the story and it's very like it's why they treat her the way they do it's why she uh she's bedridden well she's not bedridden I'm trying to remember the actual name for it but it was like how to take care of someone in the times you would lay in bed and like you would get complete bed rest and like you weren't allowed to do anything which is why she has to hide writing this book because she was only allowed to lay in bed and sleep and eat that's literally the limit to what she could do why because she's postpartum depression it's like it's common it happens so speaking of postpartum depression let me segue into the diagnosis so um, now I'm going to start quoting those sources from earlier because they do say a lot and they do mean a lot and they just have a lot going on with them. So first, the diagnosis. We have temporary nervous depression. Tri Trichler? That's Paula. Trichler quote. Um, the narrator reports, among other things, exhaustion, crying, nervousness, and synesthesia, anger, paranoia, and hallucinations. Temporary nervous depression is a medical term that serves to diagnose or define these symptoms. 
that is what she's going through. And you can see it. You can see her nervousness. She does cry. She's exhausted. She's tired. She has paranoia. She sees things. Like, these are hallucinations. And, like, as someone who, like, loves mental illness and studies it, like, I would even consider her borderline schizophrenic if she hadn't had just had a baby. Like, that's what I'd be like, oh, she's schizophrenic and everything. And that's no, not a problem. Like, mental illness is a thing. It happens. But the way they treat it is not okay. Um, she also has postpartum depression. I keep saying this. She's just given birth to a child. And once the baby is gone, there are plenty of hormones still left over that are being created in the mother. And this feeling of postpartum depression it is like, it's common. It happens. But here they're treating it as if she's mad, like, or they want to give her an exorcism or something. Like, that's the problem. It's not that she has something. It's how it's treated. Like, you're not going to make a blind person go to a 3d movie you see what i'm saying that was a really bad joke forgive my humor it happens so yeah but that would be her diagnosis and you can see from her writing she does descend further into this madness and further into like what is just harrowing her like her sentences go from very long and detailed and very artistic writing to like at the end of the story they're very short there's a lot of exclamation points it's very exclamatory it's very childlike they treat her child like a child and her insanity brings her to act like a child it's like a full circle it comes back around so why should you care about this story there's plenty of reasons to care about this story first off you should care about anything obviously um but when it comes to like literature it does like three things within these ideas so you have the feminist movement you have disability outlook and then you have madness in general and i'm gonna say madness a lot i love it so let's look at some lenses shall we the first lens we're gonna look at is the feministic lens this story was meant to give power to women it was meant to tell the story of how women with mental illness were treated and just how much it pushed them further into their insanity so if we're going to quote Donaldson, Donaldson has like three or four quotes that are like really strong on this. I'm going to talk, say one and then I'm going to talk about it. So you have the figure of the mad woman in general became a compelling metaphor for a woman's rebellion. This is very strong in the story itself. So you see her at the beginning of it, like John tells her to do something and she does it. John says this, she does it. And like towards the end of the story, she stops doing that. And the further into the story, she's sending it, she's becoming more insane. So she is becoming this woman who's rebelling against the men around her and that's honestly very strong and it's very compelling because that's, that was so rare back then and like that's not what women did and like writing this story for rebellion it it gives it a ton of feeling and emotion that is very much needed and then uh donaldson also says in the face of such repression going mad might be considered the only sane response to an insane world and it is insane you put a woman who <laughs> a woman going through postpartum depression in a nursery like what is that who does that why do you do that that's that's not a thing that's not a thing that should happen and it should have been stopped immediately yes let's put her into this yellow friggin nursery room the next one is madness itself offers women little responsibility for resistance or productive rebellion and yeah if you consider a woman mad you immediately dismiss her if you consider anyone mad you immediately dismiss them as credible that like Back then, if a woman would rebel against someone, it would be that, oh, no, she's going crazy. You can't trust what she's saying. It's coming from X, Y, Z. And this would lead to women getting, like, exorcisms when they didn't need it because they were rebelling against the men around him. Oh, they're not following what the great lord of X, Y, Z said. Like, 
puts them in a room and locks them and throw away the key. Um, the next quote I want to look at is, the metaphor indirectly diminishes the lived experience of many people disabled by mental illness, just as the metaphoric use of terms like lame, blind, and deaf can misrepresent in ways that have ultimately harmful political effects the experience of living with those physical conditions. So, Donaldson, like I said earlier, she doesn't write about the yellow wallpaper. Instead, she writes about Jane Eyre and the mad woman in the attic. At this point in her paper, she's changing the idea of the mad woman. Um, what she is talking about is how discredible women writing like this is for women and people with disabilities. So for, let me just break this down. They are making, they're not mocking madness, but they're doing something definitely along the lines of it. So when they write writing like this, instead of it being like, oh, the woman is becoming freeing, you're now diminishing mental illness. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not fence sitting or anything. Like I do believe everything I'm talking about right now, because yeah, this is a very prolific writing. Like it does so that women power, but like I, when I read it the first time, it was like an idea for mental illness. And that's how I read it. And that's how I see it. I never read it as a feminist power movement someone had to explain that part to me and when they read that to me i was like wow that really discredits any mental illness that's talked about here because it does and that's not saying anything to the writer that's not saying anything that's that's in herself but it should be noted that like yeah there's a feminist outlook for these writings and these readings but when you're reading this it's disability that's what it's for it's for madness and like yeah of course there's a misinterpretation of it I wouldn't say it's a misinterpretation, but there's another interpretation of it being that, like, yeah, it's women repression. Woo! Yeah, that's totally what it's about. That's totally what it's talking about. But that's not what it was intended for. At least that's not what I think it was intended for. I do think that these were intended to talk about madness and to show people, like, you're treating it completely wrong. Like, yeah, women are being repressed. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, everything I've said up until now, I'm standbying it. Yes, this is what this writing, this story is about. Women are being treated wrong. But it's not just women. It's people who do have mental incapabilities in, in and things like that. So, that being said, let's go to a different lens. Let's talk about like a disability lens. So the story is meant to talk about madness as disability. There's a disability literature piece. Here we go through mental disability, but it doesn't get helped. Rather, it gets hurt. Gilman, who does madness as disability, she makes a few quotes as well. And just like before, I'm gonna say one and I'm gonna explain it. So the diagnostic history of mental illness is entangled with the history of madness as social convention, a history that colors even the contemporary debates about the meanings and form of mental illness in our age of brain imagery and neuroanatomy. That one was hard to digest. When I first read that, I was like, whoa, and then I had to read it again. And basically, it's the history of mental illness is it's entangled in madness. And when you think of mental illness, you immediately think of someone who's insane. And you're thinking of like the white jacket, like coat around your arms strapped and like the mental institute in the white padded room. That's like our assumption. And history hasn't helped that at all. That's the assumption we were given. And that's what it's, that's it. <laughs> um, and that's how we viewed it. And history has colored what we consider mental illness. Mental illness is more than that. Mental illness is depression. For here, we have postpartum depression. It's, we have um, nervousness. It's social anxiety. It's regular anxiety. It's agoraphobia. It's specific phobias. Like mental illness has so much 
with it and like history has colored it to be the insane person in the room which is why we can't talk about it that's a problem we should be able to talk about mental illness there should be no reason that I can't come to a person and be like yo I'm depressed and they're like oh my god you're just sad go take a nap like no that's not what it is that's not what depression is and it's these stigmas we need to break so from there I'm talking really fast I'm so sorry about that I need to take a breath so from there madness has been defined such psychic pain was and remains a little test for madness whether as a reason for intervention or as a perceived source for greater insight into the mad and their creative capacities my bad not capabilities and that's how madness is defined not within this story but everywhere madness is defined as these people who are a lot more creative or they have a lot more insight into who knows what and as far as the creative aspect goes, Gilman wrote, well, Stetson wrote an entire, oh, wow, I just caught that. Well, hold up. Give me a second. I just caught that. Her last name is Gilman, and this article is Gilman. Huh, that's funny. I just caught that. Anyway, I digress. Y'all have ADD. It's fine. ADHD, something like that. Um, back to what I was saying. So, yeah, Gilman does write this, and that's how madness is defined and that's how madness is seen and there's so much more to it um there's madness cannot be just like any normal unable body person has their own feeling and their own emotion towards whatever's going on with them that's just the same as for like everything madness is a disability but it's not that tv madness we see of the white powdered room it's so much more someone descending into madness is falling within themselves their own psychic pain and Gilman does make that note that psychic pain is one excuse me uh you got psychic pain is a very strong like fixation within madness and for Stetson she does go through some psychic pain like her she's hurting but she doesn't know why it's like mental pain and that's very different from like depression or anxiety that like cause physical pain this madness is a box and she is stuck in the box and the men around her are keeping her in the box and her psychic pain comes from there it's all mental pain she's not in physical harm or anything yeah she's like tired and exhausted but she has no physical pain along with it just like anxiety creates physical reactions madness doesn't and then from the Gilman article in uh, Disability Lens, society see categories of madness as something that uh, impinges on human activity for ill or for good and with a variety of meanings that generate a variety of interpretations. Like I said earlier, madness is very, uh, it's very personal, just like any mental disability is very personal. Every physical disability is very personal. It's all about the person who has it and the person who sees it. Here we get a very wide-eyed inside view of how Stetson views her disability her madness and her madness starts with just simple postpartum depression that can be handled with like two or three weeks of just doing things normal and her body getting back to going into like nervousness like extreme nervous anxiety that falls into the psychic pain of madness she goes completely mad like <laughs> when i was reading the story the last few paragraphs talk about oh she's crawling over john now and john's on the ground in the fetal position and like this crazy woman who's doing like exorcist body movements you know like the backwards and you know what i'm saying if you don't just google exorcist creepy walk and there you go that's all you need in life 
But that's how I imagined it. And that's her madness. That's how she interpreted her madness. And that's where it goes. <sighs> because I haven't said it enough. Let's talk about the madness lens. And I know I keep saying the word, but it's truly what is going on. It's straight madness. This is, it's a madness. It's mad how, mad as in crazy. Like, it's mad how people are treating her. It's mad how she is being treated and how she's handling it. And she does fall into psychic pain of madness. And I feel like I'm repeating myself, but uh, if you don't know it by now, I'm talking about madness. But this was a common common in the time frame of the story the mad would be secluded and kept apart from everyone and that's what led for her entire nervousness and her quote-unquote freak out um gilman once again quotes these include physically isolating the mad from society refusing to give them the same rights to the mad as to other citizens and seeing madness as a diminution diminution d-i-diminution there's no S. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to spell it. D-I-M-I-N-U-T-I-O-N. Sorry. Color up that word. Of one's humanity. I feel like... I feel like I know what that means, but I just can't say it. Whatever. It's very, very... I don't know. Anyway, I digress. So, this quote here. It's... You isolate the man. And she is isolated. She's locked in an attic. And when she's locked in the attic, she goes insane. There's... How is that helpful for someone? How is someone going through, like, all these anxieties, locking them in a room that, like, stares at them and they feel like someone's been watching them? Like, isolating the man is not, like, rare. Uh, people, they've created entire buildings for it. Mental institutes, that's what they do. They isolate the people who have mental disabilities. And for a lot of people, it helps. It really does. Like, for someone with, like, severe depression, that, like, just being around people causes their depression and, like, say they have social anxiety. Yeah, these help, but in this case, the way she's being treated, that's not it. <laughs> for Gilman, she also writes, all these cultures place the man in a separate category. For some, a higher one of prophecy and illumination, but for most, one of marginality and exclusion. They are excluded. They are kept away. You don't want to see the mad woman. Oh, my God. That's where, like, social Darwinism comes in hand. Because that's what it said. It says when a woman became mad, you wanted to seclude her. You wanted her to be away from everyone else. You don't want to keep the mad woman around. That's not... No. <laughs> Keeping the mad woman around would be, like, allowing your dog with rabies to just walk to people in your house i'm not saying it's the same way however that's what social darwinism said like they put that on the same lines it's like someone with a black plague just coming to dinner that's what social darwinism was considered madness in women and that's why they were secluded and that's why they were kept apart from everyone and one more from gilman um the madness also became a conceit for the view that one's mad actions could be a sign of sanity in a world gone mad. And honestly, I feel that. I feel that because I feel like for me, myself, I do have depression and everything. And that's like very common with men college students. But like I myself do have it. And I do feel like I can think clearly and I'm going through things and I'm in this world and like everything one around me has gone mad. And that's not just my own feelings and everything. Of course, I mean, yeah, they are my own feelings. But they're very justified. And I feel like in this story, it's very justified how um, she feels. And madness, 
does seem like that because it's crazy. It's very crazy how these men treat her. It's very crazy what they do to her. You put someone going through postpartum depression in a nursery room. What? That, what? Why? But that's how I feel and that's how I think it's seen. Like, it makes complete sense that someone going mad, they're the only sane thing in a world gone mad because the world around us is crazy. It's mad. It's completely crazy. It's crazy how they treat people. It's crazy how this goes to that and just, it's, it's crazy. I can't, <laughs> I can't. It's wild how people treat people with disabilities is madness, how people treat others in general, the unabled body, what, con- what is considered the unabled body and mind, like, who is actually the same person here? So, before I close off on my rant of the yellow wallpaper, because I am yelling it at this point, I'm getting very loud because it's something I think needs to be talked about more. I'm going to tie, Triclair gave a really good quote, and I feel like it ties together everything I've talked about, and I'm going to talk about it for a little bit after I read it, of course, but this is going to be the final thing. So, Chikler writes, the yellow wallpaper challenges both the particular sentence passed on the narrator and the elaborate sentencing process, whose presumed representational power can sentence women to isolation, deprivation, and alienation from their own sentencing possibilities. Wow. If I am to give the yellow wallpaper a quote from a New York Times bestseller, this would probably be it, because that's exactly what goes on. So, to break it down bit by beat, bit by beat, what? bit by bit, um, you have an elaborate, elaborate sentence process. Yes, John and the brother, he comes very often and he diagnoses her and he diagnoses and like it, you half the story is them telling her what's wrong with her when she knows exactly what's wrong with her. And it's just passed on her like nothing. Like you're going to accept this because I'm a man and that's what I said. Um, she is isolated. She is completely isolated from society. She's isolated to the point she goes insane and thinks of people watching her eyes, everybody's deprivation. She is being deprived. She's being deprived of communications. She's being deprived of like physicalities. She's being deprived of creativity. She has to hide writing like that's writing pen on paper. She has to hide it from, like, her brother, her sister, her husband, everyone. She has to hide it from everyone around them, and she keeps it under her bed, and, like, she can't let anyone know that. She's being deprived of creativity. She's being deprived of just, like, basic functions that require us to live sanely. She's being pushed into this insanity. And alienation, um, which is the last part of the quote, she is being alienated. She's being completely thrown away. She's being shoved in a room for no one to see. That is what goes on in the yellow wallpaper. And Stetson wrote the yellow wallpaper at a time when it was, I don't think it was appreciated as much as we can appreciate it now because we can appreciate like feminist movement now and we can appreciate madness and the understanding. Disability literature in general is growing and it's being regarded so much better. They have movies now that include disabilities as like the primary survival tactic because for example in A Quiet Place like one of the main actresses she's deaf and she's hearing paired in reality and in the movie and it's not her acting and everything she like that's her reality and it's being pushed within this movie, and just, in general, I feel like disabilities are, they're being regarded so much more now, and they're being considered so much more now, 13 reasons why, on the mental disability aspect, 13 reasons why 
talks about suicidal tendencies, depression, anxiety, all these common feelings that no one wants to talk about. So yeah, the yellow wallpaper, when it was written, it was appreciated and regarded then, but I feel like it's appreciated even more now. It's appreciated now when we can talk about disability and we can talk about mental illness. And of course, there's still stigmas and there's still opinions. And I know someone's going to get upset somewhere about how much I'm bashing men in this retelling, but that's one's well, not retelling for me. It's going through this and analyzing it. Someone's going to get mad just about me like bashing men, but you got to understand like this is what happened. This was Stetson's reality when she wrote the yellow wallpaper. And it's, it's amazing just what it can be seen as and regarded. So yeah, that's the yellow wallpaper and that's me yelling the yellow wallpaper. Um, I'm going to sign off now. I've been talking to you for nearly 40 minutes just about this story. And once again, if you haven't read it, just just go read it. There are free copies everywhere. Honestly, it'll take two minutes and like it's not going to take you more than 30 minutes to read this. If it takes you 30 minutes, I'd be really surprised. It did not take me that long. It's really good. It's very artful. It's beautiful. Stetson wrote a wonderful story and I'm very, very glad that for me to do something and talk about something I'm passionate about, this is something I talk about. So yeah, hope you guys have a great day. Hope everything goes well with you. Keep on living and make sure to always, always, always be considerate. Bye, y'all.